grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our text is Jonah 3. Here again the part that reads, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God relented of the disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. You may be seated. Most of you know the life of the events of Jonah. The Lord gave him a job that he didn't want to do, and so Jonah ran. However, the Lord wanted Jonah to go and put Jonah through some really extreme measures. When Jonah heads the opposite direction, by sea, a storm comes up, and Jonah himself is thrown into the sea, and a great fish swallows him up. There, in the bottom of the sea, in the fish, Jonah prays to the Lord, to his holy temple. And then, yes, the gross part. The fish vomits him up onto the shore. Now the Lord calls Jonah a second time to do the job that he asked him to do the first time. I wonder how old Jonah was. 18? 17? To do the job that he first did the, wanted to do the first time. Why did God put Jonah through so much? It is because God values all of life, especially human life. Today we are gathered on this third Sunday after Epiphany. We celebrate the Lord's continued manifestation that is being revealed to the nations. Why should he be revealed? Because our Lord values all of life, especially human life, at all stages. From the newly conceived to those that are over 100. No matter what kind of handicap there may be, physical or mental, from birth, loss, or amputee. Listen how the book of Jonah ends. And should I not pity Nineveh, the Lord said, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and much cattle. First, we dare not think that we ourselves are so valuable that we can do whatever we want or whatever we think or ever feel whatever we want. You see, Paul confesses in Romans chapter 7, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do, want, do not want to do that I keep on doing. For the Lord wants for himself faithful people. He wants his creation to be like he created it. It was very good, and he wants good fruit. It's like when you go to the grocery store, right? Or to a, especially a fruit stand, we don't want apples that are bruised or marred or starting to rot. Oh, we insist on a good one, don't we? The nicer, the better. Do you not think that God wants the same? He's holy, and he wants holy things and holy people in his presence. Well, that doesn't mean that God can't use the abused and the bruised to carry out his good work. Just go ahead and think of Jesus' genealogy, Tamar, who ends up widowed twice and prevented from marrying again, and she ends up being the ancestor of David 
and our Lord, the Messiah. Along with Rahab, who is considered a prostitute, and yet the Lord moves her to hide the spies so that God's people are able to enter into the promised land. Oh, yes. And Ruth, a foreigner, and who once was pagan, marries one of God's people, ends up a young widow, and then the Lord moves her to go ahead and dedicate herself to her mother-in-law to move into the promised land and marry one of her mother-in-law's people. These are the ancestors of David and our Lord Jesus. As you heard last Sunday, though, God will not put up with the house of Eli, for Eli did not restrain his sons from blaspheming God, especially abusing their position and other people. And yet, what do we read about Jonah? How does his life conclude? You're right. We don't know. And we're left wondering, did Jonah change his mind like he did after being swallowed by the great fish? You remember, he did go to Nineveh. He did deliver that short sermon that was nothing but law, without any hope. And then he sat. And he waited. Even after the people of Nineveh repented, he waited for their destruction. Why? Oh, we are told why. About John, Jonah's real attitude in Jonah chapter 4. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is it not what I said when I was yet in my own country? That is why I made haste and fleed to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, Please take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Oh, yeah. He did not want to go to his enemies. He did not want to go to Nineveh because the real reason, not because the people were so bad, but because God was so good, compassionate, and did not destroy him. What about people who mess up our lives, huh? With whom we don't want to speak to or with whom we're angry. If they repented, what would be our attitude? Would God come to us a second time like he did Jonah? Listen to the final words from the Lord at the end of the book. You pitied the plant for which you did not labor, and you did not make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should I not have pity on the great city in which more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and very much cattle? 
God cares for animals and our enemies. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Think about John at chapter 3, verse 17. That one that comes right after, right? That gospel passage. For God so loved the world. Yeah, the world. The cosmos. The whole thing. That God would send his holy arm, his own son into our world. And what could I compare it to? What could I compare what God does but to a hot summer day? What a thing to think about in this weather, right? A hot summer day and a garbage can filled with dirty diapers a month old and mom can't find her wedding ring. Oh, she remembered taking it off eventually. Yeah, when she was changing the diaper. And so God went ahead and plunged his arm to the bottom and took us out. He plunged his arm into our decaying, stinking, dying world. And think of the trials that our Lord went through to be our Savior. Joseph goes ahead and tries to divorce Jesus' mother while she's still in the womb. There's no WIC program, no social services, but being married or living off the temple or begging. Well, when Joseph, the adoptive father, finally gets his act together, King Herod tries to take the two-year-old's life. The baby's still in the womb. It was a threat to Joseph's way of life. The toddler Jesus was seen as a threat to Herod's political aspirations. What trouble for a teenage mother only to see her precious son condemned and executed. And yet this Jesus continues on all the way to the cross for the world, for you, for me. On the cross, God's Son, as a human being, becomes God's own altar. And there his blood spatters on himself. Just like the blood of the offering were spattered on the temple altar or on the Ark of the Covenant on God's mercy seat. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but save the world through him. That world not only includes each one of us, but our enemy.
It is today. It is today that God is preparing our hearts to forgive our enemies, not just the easy ones, but the really, really hard ones, like the Ninevites. Yeah, read up on the Ninevites. <laughs> They're a hard people, a really difficult people. I'm not saying that you should go to your enemy saying, I forgive you, like casting pearls before swine. However, like God, we indeed should look also for repentance, a change of attitude. Is it there? What can we do to cultivate it? What word would God have us speak? Repentance was with the Ninevites, and they repented in sackcloth and ashes, even put sackcloth on their animals. And yet Jonah? Jonah maintained his anger right to the very end of the book. because God would not destroy them. So before you come to this altar, God is, a, is asking you to take that anger, that resentment, that grudge, our inability to forgive, and there lay it right there before Jesus and to see the cross as the full payment of what your enemy has done to you. Today, God is declaring you free from that anger and resentment that controls your life so that your heart is ready, full of compassion and steadfast love, ready to forgive when the time comes. Oh, God is not asking you to be foolish because there is no repentance. If they are impenitent, how can there be forgiveness? But when they're repentant, your heart will be ready. For through the forgiveness of your sin, your heart is ready. Here, if you have been instructed, confess the faith and repentant, trusting in that forgiveness, you are invited into this holy communion. Here, communicants commune with the holy God because of the shed blood of Jesus that covers them. Remember your baptism, that God has washed you clean before him, pure and holy, righteous in his sight, as his child, for he is your father. That little life that is conceived, no matter how it came to be, Someday, somewhere is to be redeemed by Jesus, even if it messes up someone's life or yours. That feeble life that demands so much of our lives is there for us to serve redeemed by Jesus. Each of us have responsibility to bring the good news no matter what shape human life is in. If you don't know about a snowflake baby, find out. 
Is God calling you to help in some way? May you be like Mary's elder cousin, Elizabeth, who welcomed Mary into her home. Could have been while Joseph was contemplating what to do. Was she protecting herself from public opinion? We're not told, but we are told of the joy of expecting mothers. We are told who this Jesus is and his mission to bring salvation to the world. For in him, God's kingdom is at hand. Can you do something? Remember, Jesus even called fishermen. He certainly can call you and me. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.